0: I'm Jason Harmon, and this is API Intersection, where you'll get insights from experienced API practitioners to learn best practices on things like API design, governance, identity auth, versioning, and more. Welcome back to API Intersection. One of my favorite topics, what I always call the long pole in the tent of every API program, I have uh, an old friend back on today, uh, Travis Spencer from Curity, and my co-host as is frequent lately. Anna, you want to introduce yourself?
1: I'm Anna Doherty. I am the product marketing manager at Stoplight. And uh, last time I told you to Google that, and this time I'll just say, I try to bring value to our customers and our customers centric values to our product team.
0: And it's fantastic. All right, Mr. Spencer, Travis, the man, the myth behind API identity.
1: You flatter me. (laughs) You tell us a little bit about yourself and Curity. Sure, love to, Jason. So, thanks for having me on the show today. My name is Travis Spencer. I'm the CEO of Curity, and uh, I'm also the founder of Nordic APIs. I'm a computer scientist by training, software engineer in practice. Been working in the identity space exclusively since 2008, and I am. An American living in the kingdom of Sweden. And as far as the identity space, and uh, that being the long pole in identity, definitely is a challenging topic, the fly in the ointment, to use another analogy. And so that's why we started Curity. So me and the CTO of Curity, Jakob Edis, we were on a, a long drive actually back from a Nordic APIs event in Denmark. And we were riffing just like we're riffing now about different ideas, different thoughts, different things. And it was like, it's the identity. It's such a hard part. And there's so much in these specifications. We had just given our talk at Nordic APIs and explained all this stuff and great reception, great crowd. It's just, there's so much more. And it was like, we need to go from just explaining this to actually providing a product that can codify this and takes like all of our knowledge and just like embodied in the product. So people can have a a really simple time just deploying it, setting it up and getting to business of building and securing APIs. So that's why we found Acurity. And it's great because it really sort of dovetails in with Nordic APIs, which is telling the whole API story, the stuff that we don't work on, like business models, platformification, design, all those sort of aspects of APIs. And we can come and tell our part of the story just like every other member of the community which is sort of great then to be able to share that and and do the security aspects of it and then also follow along with the product for those who are interested in it yeah i'll
0: uh i'll add here too it's been no secret that i think norik api is both in terms of uh kind of event community building content my favorite Mm -hmm. has been for years i'm a little sad that i haven't been to stockholm the last couple of years uh, to visit the kingdom. Yep. But uh, actually just recently did the live cast, which wasn't the same, but still kind of cool. Yeah. Yep. Still, still, still touching the old property.
1: Yeah. We're looking forward to being back in Austin also. It's our first event there in Austin, we had Stoplight with us. So it'd be great to be back. And we're looking forward to it. I'm not sure if we'll be able to do it this first half of the year, but maybe at the end of the year. And then definitely next year, we're we'll back in Austin.
0: That'd be cool. We'll reach out. So I guess we I should probably explain the long pole in the tent thing, the uh, fly on the ointment here. That certainly every place I've ever been around APIs has. Uh, it's like you quickly realize the hardest problem that we're going to have to solve is how all the kind of auth stuff works, mm-hmm. which tends to unfurl into what is how are you identifying users as a general thing, and so. I remember actually, I think it was the first Nordic APIs I went to. I was like, "All right, Curity, these guys do identity stuff." And I like cornered you. It was like you know, caught you at the coffee machine. I'm like Travis, I have one question. Like I've looked around, and all I could find was like XML. This like at the time, I guess now it's probably twenty-year-old standard XML-based. Um, like there's got to be something better, like you know, and there's got to be some modern, cool, like open-source thing that makes this easy. What is it? Like, mm. Give me the secret. Mm. And you pretty much shrugged and went, no, that's how it is. So I think that was probably five plus years ago. I'm curious, like when you look at sort of the world of standards and things around this stuff, like is, has it gotten any better
1: or easier? It's mm, a great question. So it's really ironic that it is the fly in the ointment and the long pole in the tent when it's such an easy thing for us people to do right yeah. i know you jason and now on i'll recognize you i know you it's just sort of instinctive in our nature to like know people and recognize people and build relationships but it's completely not the nature of a computer and so to try to transform that that human instinct into something that a computer can do for us is a really really difficult problem and to help with that i mean the best thing i think to do is is to build a standard that we can all agree on so at least we're talking the same language and we're talking the same protocol and then especially when we're, we're talking about internet scale and, and uh, widely distributed networks different apis in different places they need to all be sort of working in the singing to the same tune working in the same technologies so it is getting better definitely there are newer technologies in the last few years a lot of work that's been going on is in the open id foundation and the OAuth working group Mm -hmm. sort of setting the groundwork there and now starting to build on top of that so in the open id foundation there's a, a working group called the financial grade api working group that is defining financial grade APIs. And these are useful to anyone who's really conscious or or concerned about security, not just banks and financial services, industry organizations. And so that really takes the bar up on security. And by following that profile, that sort of version or slant of OpenID, you can know that you're following security best practices and running at a very high level of security. And the other thing is in the OAuth working group, there's sort of two different standards organizations, the IETF, where the working group is, and the OpenID Foundation, where the OpenID spec and FAPI are. And in the OAuth working group, there's also been a lot of work on security best practices and actually. Trying to trim out some of the parts of OAuth that maybe aren't the best to be using from a security's perspective for sure, and making it easier to implement it in, a, in a safe way and a way that's that's easier to sort of follow along and not fall into a security pitfall. So those things have definitely helped. The thing though to always keep in mind is that OAuth is really not, the auth part isn't for authentication. It isn't about figuring out who someone is. OAuth is a a delegation protocol. So I can delegate my rights to someone or something else to access resources that are mine or I'm entitled to. So it's really a better to call it O delegation, but that sounds corny, so we won't. (laughs) And then on top of that, OpenID gives a sort of identity layer, and by that what I mean is once some sort of computer program, some sort of entity has figured out who that user is by authenticating them or or identifying them or both, will then transfer the answer to that into another security realm, another security context, another domain. And so that's still the only figuring out who you are. And then the access token or a sort of representation of, of that delegation can be used within an API to say, okay, now what are you authorized to do? So, that figure out who you are, now what can you do? And it's really the burning question is, well, what are you allowed to do? But we gotta ask the first one, unfortunately, to get to the second one, which we really wanna know. So on the, what are you allowed to do thing, the more important question, we can write code. I mean, we can, go into our apis right if this is is in the token or this is in the access token or the user logged in this way or they're accessing this sort of resource do this and i think what organizations have and been, been struggling with and i were talking about at the coffee stand all those years ago is that that code constantly needs to be changed and updated so it, it can be deployed and retested together with the api so we need to sort of pull that out somewhere into something and that's something or would be some sort of policy or some sort of language that says, okay, under these kind of cases, take this sort of input and fill it into there, and then evaluate the whole thing and arrive at a conclusion of allowed or denied. And the story there has gotten a little bit better. There are a few different open source alternatives and uh, also some commercial products that are available these days that weren't back at the conference that we were discussing this so it is evolving but the reason that that's happening slower than the whole open id and, and authentication part it's sort of like this journey that organizations go through and like that tippy top is is the summit it's, it's the top of mount everest and not very many people climb mount everest or those who try they don't not as many make it as start and so it's not as blazed of a trail if you will it's not a not as uh, complete of a technology or the technologies are slower to to be adapted because not as many people are demanding them so with all the great work that's happening in the authentication and federation space with open id connect and oa more people are getting to the summit of the mountain and so technologies products new standards are popping up and will help with that and i think that that will only continue as more people make that journey to the summit so that brings to mind a question of. What stage in the creation of an API should we start answering those questions about whether identity and auth is needed? That's a great question. So I think that unless your information is public data and it's meant to be public, like according to regulation, you're probably going to want to have some sort of authentication on it regardless. And even if it is public data, you're probably still going to want to have some sort of authentication going on, identification of a user so that you can reach out to them, let them know your service is going down for maintenance, or it's moved from this URI to that URI, or, or get them on the mailing list so you can tell them about other products or services. So I think even for public data or public APIs, you're still going to have that. So I would say like what point are you going to decide you want to have off? I think now, as you're listening to this broadcast, you want it almost unequivocally. And because you want it, I mean, there's nothing else really. You need to use OAuth. And if you're doing login in your mobile app or your web app, you need to use OpenID Connect. Anything else, you're probably reinventing the wheel. You're probably doing something unsafe and insecure, and so you decide here on the broadcast is going to be that, and that's how you're going to do it. On the authorization side of things, like because remember, OAuth is really O delegation. It's just you're going to have these extra inputs into your authorization decision. That takes a little bit more work, I think, to decide how should we do this. Should we have a bunch of if statements in our code? Should we have some sort of interceptor in our API that will grab that and then make a decision and, and we can recompile that and maybe have some different way of, of knowing that that code is accurate? Or do we need to do something more elaborate and have a policy-driven approach? And if we do, should we use you know, this open source product or this commercial product or whatnot? So I think as an architect, what I'd probably be doing is, okay, we're going to have some sort of filter system. We do authentication. We do authorization. Now we do all of the code, and we know it's going to be. OAuth. we know it's going to be OpenID Connect to begin with, and then the authorization part. We're going to stub out some simple stuff, and as it gets more complicated, we're going to have to look to plug something else into there, and then we're going to look at some different products, do a proper eval, and a proper due diligence on which one will solve
0: our needs. On the authorization stuff, I feel like the answer always ends up being a little bit of all of the above, mm. in, in the sense that like there's fine grain things you can't do, like at some edge or centralized solution, but as much as you can, try not to have things embedded in code, right? So you end up with a little bit of all of it. Yeah. Is maybe the one easy path in it all is like, I think you're, you're describing a lot of what's very common, which is the sort of third party access. Like you've got to, I want to get your user's data. I have to ask that user permission to get mm. it. But in the case of like first party access, mm. let's say my customers are saying, I want to be able to automate my data I don't have to ask anyone else permission, then we don't really have to have sort of OAuth and all that stuff, right? Isn't that sort of the easier path?
1: It is, but it isn't. So, what I would say there is that it's easy until your authentication requirements change and evolve, which they will. I mean, mm-hmm. MFA is now becoming like everyone's doing MFA. There's going to be that in their multi-factor authentication. That's just going to be there, but it's annoying. It's sort of, no one's coming to your app or your API to do login. I mean, I'm a login guy and I, <laughs> I realize, and I, even though I love it, like I'm stuck trying to get into a web service right now. Cause I don't have my old Google authenticator on my old phone. I mean, it's I'm stuck. So no one's coming to your to do MFA. And so there there needs to be an evolution of that also, where it's like, hello, I'm doing this, I'm working on the app this way, I'm working in the API this way. It's me, it's not an attack. So it's okay to let me in with username password. I'm in the same geography, same device, all this kind of stuff. We need to be learning about that. And then if you just like bake that into your application, you're sort of stuck in the same way as if you have a bunch of if then statements for authorization, you're also kind of stuck. So what I would say in the first party case is what I, I would adopt this pattern that uh, some call the, the backend for front end or BFF, or what we like to call it, CURITY, the, the token handler pattern, where what you end up doing is you have a server side component that you call off on that. And then that will do the OAuth code flow to your OpenID connector, your OAuth server. And it will do that using a confidential client, which is a more secure way of integrating with an OAuth server, basically. And then that will handle all of the authentication, and it will come back. You'll convert that token into an encrypted value that's saved into a cookie that is same site. So it's all first-party communication between the app and that, that API proxy, that token handler. And then if things morph, things evolve, you don't disrupt the consumer of the API. And so I think it's a more evolvable approach. And I would take that architectural pattern even in a first-party scenario.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, uh, you can start with the first-party stuff, but it's just a matter of time before the the bigger, more complicated stuff comes.
1: I think so. So, I
0: think so. Fair enough. So when you look across... I think, one, I I love that you were highlighting a lot of the kind of standards work that's going on. I know things like sort of a Wasp API top 10, you know, it's like we have API stuff that's happening Mm. now. But I think beyond kind of these implementation patterns, like are there any other sort of trends, you know, besides everything getting attacked all the time (laughs) that you see kind of coming to bear Mm. in, in the identity world?
1: I do see some big trends, definitely. So, I mean, open banking is a very, very big initiative over here in Europe, the UK, Australia, Brazil, and I see that that will expand into other geographies, including the US, Middle East, Hong Kong, and Asia. And then I also think that where it's already sort of taken root, it will flourish into open finance, open government, open manufacturing, open X industry. And so I think that that will really create an increased demand for APIs, and I think that those APIs are going to need to be highly secure. They're going to be under regulatory requirements to conform to a very high level of security. So I see a trend of more openness, more regulation, and higher levels of security. I also see in the identity space that there are some some big trends and some big drivers that are increasing the demand for OpenID Connect. If I look at the Gartner hype cycle, it's, it's sort of on the beginning now in the sort of trench of disillusionment and heading up into the plateau of deployment. And the things I think that is going to get it out of that trench and more up to a a high plateau is this increased demand from protocols and standards that are building on top of that. So open banking is definitely one, but also things like PIPS 201-3, which is a, a new standard from the U.S. federal government that requires all federal employees and contractors to be able to federate and to do that using OpenID Connect and other protocols. So that will definitely increase demand and push that up. But also, third-party cookies are dying, and the the APIs are building higher-level APIs on top of that to say, I'd like to do federated login, or like we just talked about, maybe even first-party login. And those protocols are all being designed around OpenID Connect And another thing is distributed identities. So these are definitely coming onto the scene and the bridge that will bring distributed identities, which is a great and really important technology so that we can be anonymous and private online, but also secure and safe. We need to have a bridge to all the existing applications. And OpenID Connect is that. And then the other big push that I see here is around global identity networks. So you can search out GAIN, which is a, a global uh, identity assurance network. And there's other sorts of, of EIDs, EIDAS, those kinds of things, all being built around OpenID Connect. And that's going to really help, I think, to wrap an identity layer around the Internet so that we can do more safe transactions and more assuredly answer that question of who you are online. As all of these standards are being more popular. How do you balance the need to adhere to these standards but still maintain a good consumer experience? Mm-hmm. Right? You have a lot to think about there. What are your some recommendations? I think that the standards themselves are working to provide good user experience. <laughs> Like with the third-party cookies, those APIs are really designed to make it easy to work with the browser. The browser will have sort of widgets and Chrome built into the tabs to make it easier for users to figure out, hey, what the heck's going on here? I think also that standards like OpenID Connect, I mean, they're all using HTML and, well, they're using HTTP and so they're RESTful like they're true hypermedia APIs. And so what we've been doing at, at Curity is actually taking the fact that it is, OpenID Connect is a hypermedia API and be able to consume that and, and interact with that API using a hypermedia client. So you can build this into your web application, have all of these kinds of login methods, all the sophistication you have around that, the sort of stuff we were talking about with predictability and considering different people's geographical locations and all that sort of stuff, right there in the application you're interacting with so you don't jump out lose context forget what you were doing get stuck with this other app on the mobile phone that kind of thing so hypermedia actually provides us and affords us with a possibility to manage the entire login process as a sort of state machine and we can use that state machine right within the the mobile or the web application that the user's already interacting with so that will really simplify user experience all right well I don't know if you've if you've spent much time listening to
0: the podcast. I know you're a busy guy, but if you have, then you know what the question that's coming. My heart always being with kind of startups and bootstrapping things and all that. And for listeners of that ilk. That all sounds cool and expensive and complicated. Where do we get started? Like if I'm building a scratch app, I don't know how to build an open ID connect provider with EI and all the other acronyms. Like, what's the safe place to get started for listeners?
1: So if you're building scratch applications, I would focus more on like how to move on the X, Y coordinate and focus on uh, other other lower uh, level things or base things first. But when you, when you evolve from that to build your Terraria mods and then maybe one step up from there, building your first web application, the thing I'd like to encourage you with is that we made OpenID Connect to be a very simple protocol for you. It's super hard for the server, and you can thank people like curity and, and others who've implemented the hard part of the server, but you can write it within a few lines of PHP. You write it within a few lines of C-sharp. I wrote an OpenID Connect client the other day in Java, and it's, it's very straightforward, very simple. And the place to get started, if you go to OpenID Foundation, you can do a search for that and you can find lots of, of examples there and you can find uh, blog posts that will also point you in the right direction. You can also go to curity.io. We have a, a getting started section there. You can use our community edition of the server. So it's completely free. You just download it and use it. You don't have to do any of the hard parts then. And if your authentication needs are simple, username, password, social logins, that's all you ever need. And you never even need to pay us for that. So it doesn't need to be expensive either. Well, that's somewhat reassuring.
0: <laughs> I'm sure for uh, some of the listeners who at this point were like, oh my God, this is going to be terrible. I'm doing everything wrong. There is an, an easy path to get started. Definitely. And I can just say, you know, I think after having been and visited many places where the word identity hadn't been spoken in the, the context of their API program, is if you're building APIs, if you're building things that connect over the web, like don't take this stuff lightly, get started mm. soon because it's probably going to be Long term, hmm. one of the things that takes the longest to figure out and takes the longest to mature. Yeah. So, definitely take a look at some of the resources that Travis has provided, and as usual, we'll have a blog post that kind of captures all this stuff and yeah, hopefully makes it a little bit easier.
1: One more, Jason, I can just add in there. Of course, mm-hmm. is Nordic APIs what we started with, but there's hundreds and thousands of web pages and ebooks yeah. on this stuff and videos and video upon video on YouTube explaining this stuff so you could just subscribe there and and go deeper and deeper for the next 3 years.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think uh Bill does a great job at curating the content there and there is a tremendous uh, wealth of resources there. So Awesome, man. Well, that feels like a good place to close. Yeah. Any other uh, closing thoughts for us beyond that? No,
1: I, I really enjoy being with you. I appreciate it. I do uh, encourage people to check out curdy.io. We have a, a lot of jobs that we're hiring for. I think we have six openings right now. We hire remote first, so wherever you're working, there could be a job there for you. It's a great place to work. We're building a, a really strong engineering team focused on quality, focused on great product, and uh, working to satisfy really exciting and, and great customers. So check that out if you're you're looking for work and uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me on LinkedIn or, or Twitter. Happy to connect and talk more. Awesome.
0: Thanks, Travis. And uh, thank you. Thanks, Anna, as always for joining and helping out. Anytime. Bye. Bye. All right, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you have a question you want to ask, look in the description of whichever platform you're viewing or listening on and there should be a link there so you can go submit a question and we'll do our best to find out the right answer for you.